right, First Peter chapter 2. Uh, today is kind of a pivotal sermon, shifting gears. He is writing to saints that have been uprooted from their homes and uh, had to move because of persecution hundreds of miles from their roots to reestablish community, um, careers, ministries, congregations in northern Turkey and throughout most of Turkey and he wrote this letter to encourage him. And so the first part of the letter is about all the benefits we have in Christ, who we are, but what we have in him. And today we're, we hope to wrap up that part of the book. And then from here on out is on how to function as believers, even in hard times and good times. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Therefore, because of what I've just said, you can read chapter 1 to see what he was talking about. How we've been born again of the word of God was the thing he was just talking about. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. It would not be bad translation to make all those words plurals. We're to lay aside all that stuff. The world indulges on this. Um, you see it all through social media even, this kind of thing going on. But what are we to do? Laying those things aside, we are to desire the milk of the word like babies. As newborn babes, verse 2, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So the Lord wants us to taste his grace he wants us to understand the blessings we have in him. And then, based on that, he wants us to follow him. He kind of initiates this love walk. He first loved us so that we could love him in return and learn to love one another. Coming to him, verse 4, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, we also are like Christ. We've been chosen. We've been set apart for his building. You also, as living stones, are being built up. Can we say up? A spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What is a spiritual sacrifice? Well, it's certainly not killing a sacrificial animal. Christ took the place of all sacrificial systems in terms of the shedding of blood on the cross. When he said it is finished, he meant it is complete, it is perfect. I have done the work to redeem mankind. And our response is sacrifices or offerings of thanksgiving of singing, of obedience, of denying our flesh, <laughs> of not punching someone in the nose that has it coming, offering up spiritual sacrifices to the Lord, acceptable to him through Jesus Christ. Therefore, verse 6, it is also contained in the scripture, and he quotes, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, 
and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. And we know that's Jesus. He was elected or chosen before the foundation of the world to be the lamb slain for our sins. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Now that phrase there, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed, has been argued about by theologians. And I'll just share a couple uh, perspectives. One perspective is they were appointed to be disobedient. Or they were appointed to be obedient and they rejected their appointment. They rebelled against the Lord. But you are a chosen, can we say chosen? A chosen generation, a royal priesthood. The Bible says we are kings and priests of royal priesthood, a holy or a set-apart nation of people, his own special people. The old King James says his peculiar people. And um, I grew up in churches that were rather peculiar, and they rejoiced and used this verse to defend just being weird for the sake of being weird. (laughs) Tell your neighbor you're peculiar. Hallelujah. It means unique, unusual, no other people like us. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. That's why we lay aside these dark things like malice and envy and evil speaking. He's called us out of that stuff into his marvelous, his amazing, incredible Light, who once were not a people. We were people, but we weren't a people. The church is made up of people of all kinds, all kinds of characters are in the body of Christ. And I know some churches, for the purpose of evangelism, will focus on a particular kind of people. And some people will shoot at him. You know, there's the biker churches, the cowboy churches, the hippie churches, the barefoot churches. But I guarantee you, in the midst of those congregations are all kinds of folks. They may have one thing in common, but everything else they're just as different as can be. Why? Because God is making a people out of people who wouldn't be together were it not for him. To demonstrate the power of his unity. It's unity with diversity. At one time, we weren't a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It's completed action in past time. God chose for you to obtain mercy before you knew you needed mercy. And I think it's important for us to believe that we are chosen. I asked a man the other day, why is it important for us to believe we're chosen? It inspires us. It it compels us. 
You know, if your neighborhood, back when kids played in neighborhoods, and kids played on teams, made up teams, remember those days? What happened to those days? If you were one of the first to be chosen, you were inspired. If you were one of the last, you know, like, okay, we'll take Lada, you get the girl. You're not really inspired. (laughs) The Lord chose you before you were even born, before the foundation of the world. We've been chosen in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that your word would inspire us to dive into this book with our lives. In Jesus' name, help us to receive the truth that maybe we know, but we don't really know by experience. Lord, make this more than theology and definitely more than meology, but Lord, make it all about Christ and your purpose for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject... We have been chosen. Can we say that? We have been chosen. We have been chosen to believe and obey. Three-point sermon. There it is. All right. Let's be dismissed. We have been chosen. The letter begins with the address, you know, to those who have been scattered in these, these communities in northern Turkey, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Elect. So the pilgrims were people that are elect, the chosen ones, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God knew you before you knew yourself. He chose you. He elected you. We have been elected. It's not like a political election, you know. A candidate may get 52% and they call it a landslide. That's not a landslide. (laughs) There's 48% of people that are unhappy. (laughs) However things work out in November, I do predict this. There's going to be a bunch of unhappy folks. (laughs) But in God's election, it's all good. Our text, you are a chosen generation. Jesus himself said in John 15, you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. We've been chosen to believe and obey. Fruit that will last, fruit that will remain. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Paul wrote in Ephesians 1 that he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So we've been chosen for obedience. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and to will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given to us in the one that he loves. So we have been chosen to obey. We've been chosen to believe. Our text said, He who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation. We've been appointed to be his special 
people, his peculiar folks. Isn't that good? And what makes us his people? He brings us to a place of believing. We hear the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. So when God speaks to us, we hear. And when we hear God speak to us, faith comes in our hearts. And he can speak to us in a whole myriad of ways to get through to us. Maybe through reaping what we sow. Maybe through the love of a child. Maybe through a miracle that you didn't feel like you deserved and God just showed you what grace is. Jesus said in John 6, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have not come down from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. This is what Jesus is all about is capturing the hearts of those to whom the Father gives him. Look at what he said in verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Your testimony may be, I found the Lord. Well, who helped you find the Lord? Who helped you find the Lord? You ever played hide-and-seek with a little child? And you're a really good hider? And you understand that kid may not find you all day long. So in patience and love, you leave breadcrumbs, clues. I found you, Grandpa. We found the Lord, yes, but he left breadcrumbs. He, he sent witnesses. He opened our eyes. None of us would have enough sense to get in out of the rain were it not for the mercy of God. So all glory for our salvation, comes from Him. This is important to believe that for the sake of enjoying your personal mercy that God has given to you. Believing that He chose to send you His mercy. Well, I really messed up and I needed His mercy. Well, God allowed you to reach the end of your rope so that you would cry out to Him. Ephesians 2 says that by grace we have been saved. By grace, through faith. And that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So the faith that it takes to be saved is God's gift to us, saving faith. One day you heard the gospel, you found yourself believing it. What was going on? God was giving you the faith. He was giving you the breadcrumbs to lead you to his marvelous light but who knows we've been called to do more than believe we've been called to obey and God has chosen us to do his will we are elect remember we read that earlier according to the foreknowledge of God the father in sanctification of the spirit that is setting apart for his purposes for obedience can we say obey So we've been elect for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. What is that? That is the blood that redeems us from the sin should we disobey. 
Since you've been a believer, have you ever disobeyed? What are you doing still here? The blood of Jesus avails for us. (laughs) He who chose me made a way to bring me back into his will should I go astray. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. We see this, this salutation in almost all of the epistles that grace is extended to us. Peace with God is granted to us for our whole life. From now on, this is the light of God's love for us. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are His masterpiece, or His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So He's working in us for good works, which God prepared beforehand in order that we should walk in them. So the calling God has for you to fulfill, He prepared it in advance. You are His workmanship. The, the sculptor Michelangelo believed that inside the big stones he worked on were the, the uh, creatures, the angels, the people, the, the shapes that he was going to carve out of it. And he believed they were in there. And his part was to cut away everything that wasn't a part of that sculpture. That's a beautiful image or metaphor for what God is doing in us. He's removing from us everything that's not like him. All malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Colossians 3, that doesn't show up very good on the screen. Let me read this to you. It's in the notes if you have it in your bulletin. As the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. We do these things not in order to be elected, but because we've been elected. Our leaders in the political realm, we'll use that again, um, hopefully they do what they've been elected for and they execute their jobs because they've been elected, not in order to be elected. See? They may do it in order to be reelected, but in God's election, there is no reelection campaign. <laughs> it is finished, it's complete, it's done. Just like creation, on the seventh day God rested, not because he was tired, but because he was done. You've been elected, and as his elected chosen people, being holy and beloved, were to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. This is our, this is our obedience, because as a result of being chosen, his, his love for us propels us. We live out of a sense of inspiration rather than desperation. Revelation instead of condemnation. We've been chosen to believe and obey. Now these words are my own. Being chosen by Almighty God is a blessing, not based on our performance, but rather on His merciful grace 
That's what it's based upon. Therefore, he alone is worthy of receiving the glory. Now this next verse, we're going to hear someone read it to us. And it's a glorious verse, but yet it's very humbling. Should you wrestle with pride, listen to these words. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Have you ever been embarrassed by the behavior of another believer? Why is that? I thought they were Christians. You ever have that thought hit your mind? We're Christians because of his love, not because of our IQ. God chooses some of the most immoral, wicked, depraved, ungodly people in the world to be made into his people and we're on a journey he is not done and so anything you see in me or in someone else that annoys the heck out of you keep in mind the father's not done yeah it's a demonstration of his grace (laughs) I, i wrestle sometimes with that with my peers leaders of churches and some of the things they do it's like God, how can you bless that? Where are you in that? Well, he's just not done. Not done. I need his grace, and so do they, and so do we. Our obedience is not the cause of God's choosing, but rather the result of his choice. Never forget that. It's contrary to our human reasoning. 2 Timothy 2.4, no one engaged in warfare, that is a soldier, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. God has extended this plan, this, this love in action mission in our lives so that we live out of appreciation. We want to please the one who chose us. That's why. He is the first cause. We are, then we do. I am, then I become. Um, We receive, then we reflect. We are shown, then we shine. And somewhere along the line, people sometimes get this backwards, and they're trying to shine in their efforts, and hard on people that aren't shining properly. 
not realizing themselves just how much the Father loves them. It is not an effort to shine. It's an effort to grow, but it's because of His love for us that we desire to please Him. It's that desire to please. Has has someone ever done something really nice for you and you were amazed? Do you want to slap that person? No, you want to please them. It's a response. That's the kind of thing the Lord wants active in our lives. That's why we don't need to get away from the gospel. So much preaching today is is like a locker room pep talk. You know, it's almost like moralisms, how to do your taxes, how to how to uh be a better person, how to manage your time, how to and these things are good, but they're they can be human wisdom if we get away from the gospel that propels us onward to serve the Lord selflessly because He's elected us. I've been chosen. You've been elected. While our obedience is not the cause of the Lord's choosing, it will lead to his reward. Can we say rewards? So rewards come after the fact. The reward is not the Lord choosing you. That's already happened. But the reward follows our obedience. And I think sometimes people think the Lord's reward, oh, I'm going to choose him. He's a good person. No, he doesn't choose us because we are good. He chooses us because he is good. Whatever you do, Colossians 3, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Now, the Lord loves us. He's chosen us as we are, but he will not leave us like we are. We're on a journey of following him, and he will lead us to lay aside all malice, all envy, all evil speaking, all hypocrisy, all deceit. If we don't, there are consequences. The Lord chastens those whom he loves. Chastens with his word. He chastens with circumstances. We reap what we sow, do we not? He chastens us sometimes with silence to bring us to a place of submitting to his will. I love... World Magazine. It's a Christian worldview magazine, a whole lot like Time or Newsweek. I get one of these at my home every couple weeks. And in the back are a couple columns. One is written by Andrea Sue Peterson, a Canadian columnist. And she writes in an article called Bridal Gown about our rewards. She Quotes from Revelation 19 says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. She goes on and talks about how we are rewarded for our obedience. 
She said, the smallest deed done for Christ will be celebrated with astonishment that it had caused much larger concentric ripples in the universe than it seemed on the earth. There will be testimonies, life stories of righteous deeds in review, a retrospective with much happy laughter in heaven. She talks about some of the heroes. Dorcas will be there, delighted to see the far-surpassing glory of the clothing at that feast when compared to the modest coats that she made for the saints in Joppa. David will be there, who will give glory to God for the great victories that he has wrought. Other people will be there, Moses and Deborah and Jephthah and Joshua and Esther, people that accomplish heroic feats in obedience to God. And you may see your life as minimal compared to some of those people, but Andrea goes on to say, those whose battles may never have been on the field of green will be present and not be least among that company. For they will have fought their own demons in private and unheralded by men. And by the blood of the Lamb they have vanquished temptations, finding the promised way of escape. They will have taken bad thoughts captive and demolished arguments, according to Second Corinthians. They will have cleansed themselves and put the flesh to death and denied themselves and taken up their crosses to follow Christ. They will have mastered their own wills from the embers of lust and selfishness that they will have slain for Christ. And every saint together will be robed in white, giving glory to the Lamb. One act of obedience leads to another. Who knows what heroic acts are ahead for you. As you put to death the flesh, the Lord will open doors for you. The key to following the Lord, my pastor says, is to do what God tells you and then to do the next thing that he tells you and then to do the next thing that he tells you. It's that seriously. So right now as we bow our heads, I want to ask you, what has the Lord been telling you? What has he been leading you to lay aside? You've been chosen. Maybe he's been telling you to believe in him, to to trust your life into his hand. Maybe you are a believer and he's been telling you to lay aside maliciousness, evil speakings, hypocrisies, every form of deceit, Lord, expunge it from our life. Lord, I pray that we would hear you now, Lord. Just remind us of the things you've been telling us that we are to obey. And Lord, may the chosenness, the election that has been given to us for nothing, to make us believers who obey you. Lord, may that propel us onward and may the reward that is ahead of us encourage us as well. In Jesus.